Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Doesn't it seem like we live in the most offended generation that's ever lived on this planet? Everybody's mad. And here's the, here's the kicker. Nobody knows how to deal with their anger. Nobody knows how to handle their anger. And so this morning I want us to go into his word. Because I need to remind you that Jesus said that it would be absolutely impossible that offense would not come. So that means, listen, let's just get blunt. Let's just get real transparent. That means there's going to be moments. I wish I could tell you. I, I wish I could stand up here and promise you that you would never come into a situation or have an experience where you would be angry. I would be lying to you. There are moments in our lives where our, when something happens, somebody says something, somebody does something, and it causes our face to flush, and it causes our, 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 that, that thing, I don't know, that thing, that, that thing, that thing rises up in us, and I, and, and I want to clench my fist, and I want, and I want to explode. Anybody else or is it just pastor having anger issues this morning, all right? All of us. In fact, I read in scripture, I'm, I'm vividly reminded that Jesus experienced this human emotion called anger. I can remember one occasion, talk about anger, he, he grabs ropes, just ropes, just hanging around, and, and because he sees the money changers in the temple stealing from the people, he grabs these ropes and he forms them into a makeshift uh, whip, and he, dr he literally drives them out of the temple. He got angry. But scripture says he never sinned. Paul comes along uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 and he instructs us like this. He says, be angry and do not sin. What? Be angry but don't sin. How is that even possible? How is it possible to pattern our lives like Jesus and, and to follow the instructions of Paul and, and come to this maturity level in our walk with Christ where we don't get so angry that we, will, that we sin? How is that possible? I want us to, to deal with that this morning. I, we've got to learn how to manage our anger. To manage our hurt. Because we, we, we walk this real fine line where we're in this environment today where everybody's mad. But, but how do we manage that, that, that emotion? Because I think we'd under, we would be honest enough to say that some of us allow our anger to control us. And so this morning, I think because our society makes it clear that being angry is okay. In fact, you can do anything you want to do. Have you noticed that you can act any way you want to act, say anything you want to say, video it, put it on Facebook, and everybody laughs at it. You can treat the police any way you want to treat them. You can treat your neighbor any way you want to treat them. You can do anything you want to do. And, and it's like it's become entertainment. Anger has become entertainment. And yet... We need to figure this out because we want to be angry, but we don't want to sin. Are you with me this morning? So I think it's, I think the first thing that I want to do is I want to help us. I want to talk just, I want to just lay it out there for you. Some things that should not make us angry. Because some of us are angry at the wrong stuff. So just real quick, this is, not, this is not the meat of the message. I just want to just start here. I think it would help us if we understood what should not make us angry. 
So, so let, just real quick, let me, let, me, let me throw them out there. Number one, we should not be offended by sinners. You should not get ang angry and offended when sinners sin. That's what sinners are supposed to do. Sinners are supposed to sin. Do you, do you remember that Jesus uh, never seemed to get mad at the sinner that was sinning? He's, he reserved all of his anger for, for religious people. Okay, I can remember one occasion there was a woman caught in adultery and Jesus is on the scene and the religious people begin to attack her and they want to stone her and Jesus reserves his anger not for her but for the religious folks in the crowd and says, what are you doing? We should never be offended by the fact that sinners sin. I can't get any help. Um, that shouldn't cause our, us to just blow up on people. Why? Listen, quit blowing up on, uh, against sinners on Facebook. That's what sinners do. Quit being angry enough that you confront them on Facebook because when you confront them in anger on Facebook, then they don't want the Jesus that you have. They are supposed... Oh, okay. Number two, we should not be offended by other people's opinions. If we are secure in our own identity in Christ and who Christ has called us to be, then whether you like me or not has no bearing on whether I, I live my life does, should not offend me. Your opinion should not offend me. Man, y'all are quiet this morning. Uh, Paul and Peter had this confrontation in the New Testament based upon their opinions, but the comfort, and it was a very blunt confrontation, but they did not allow the confrontation to cause them to no longer be brothers in Christ. Some of you allow what everybody else thinks offends you so badly you can't live your life. Number three, we should not be offended by someone else's actions. I want to remind you of the account in the Old Testament where Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, but the, rather than becoming angry, if anybody had the right to be angry, it was Joseph. He was the favored son. He was the, he was the preferred son, and now he finds himself in prison, and, and, and he could have been angry because his brothers sinned against him, but instead he comes to the realization that God meant for good what his brothers meant for evil. Right? And so we have got to be careful because if we become offended by someone's actions, then we allow them to determine our destiny rather than allowing God to determine our destiny. All right? Number four. Number four, we should not be offended by other people's obedience. You say, well, what are you talking about? I, I, I'm just remembering the Old Testament that Cain was offended and became angry to the point that he murders his own brother simply because his brother obeyed what God told him to do. And so this morning we have to, I want to say this to you, we need to interact with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and come to the conclusion that if someone is being obedient to what God has said to them, then we cannot be offended. I am not talking about there's a big difference between sin and convictions. And some of us become very angry with one another about convictions. I'm not talking about what Scripture says out in black and white is sin. If it says it's sin in Scripture, then it should offend us if we see one of our brothers and sisters sinning and we should go to their rescue. Not their destruction, their rescue. But if it's on the basis of convictions, then I cannot allow what you have freedom to do in Christ offend me. Okay, y'all are hurting me today. Uh, I... Don't be offended by what somebody else has been given clearance or permission to do. 
Because we make allowances for one another. Remember, no offense taken. See, this morning some of us are standing around waiting on explanations and we're, we're waiting on apologies and we want closure. But I need to tell you this morning that God will never give you the closure or an explanation if giving you the closure or the explanation would cause you to camp out around something that was supposed to be buried. Some of y'all hung up on some stuff that was supposed to be buried a long time ago and God's saying, move on. But you keep letting the wrong stuff make you mad. So how do we become angry and don't sin? What should make us angry? So, so this morning I want to say this to you, that, that we've got to manage our anger so our anger does not manage us. And we're not, but I'm not at the same time saying that we're supposed to be this, this doormat or this pushover or this wimpy version. Because Jesus was not a wimp. He was a man's man. He was a carpenter. Uh, he, he could take stripes on his back that mo most of us couldn't handle and do it without saying a word. He was a stud. But he never became angry to the point of sinning. How do we do that? We've, I, I want to say to you this morning that we, we've got to do some things with anger. Okay, the, just real quick. I want to get to my last point real quickly because that's where I want to spend my time this morning. I want to tell you first of all that anger must be directed towards the appropriate target. If we're going to be angry and not sin, then we must identify the right target so that we don't sin. I'm reminded of an instance in the New Testament where Peter bows up on Jesus. Remember, Jesus begins to talk about his own death and Peter bows up on him and says, No, no, I won't allow that to happen. That, that would be like your children bowing up on you in public. Like, like, like they, can, they, they rebuke you in public. They chastise you in public. Peter wasn't the smartest Cat. I mean, who bows up on Jesus and says, Jesus, you're not going to do what you say you're going to do. I refuse to let you do it. And so Jesus responds. But I want you to notice what Jesus does. I want you to notice that, that, um, that he immediately directs his anger towards the appropriate target. We think he put Peter in his place. That's not what he did. He put the enemy in his place. I, I want to remind you that, that Jesus addresses the real cause of what's going on, the root problem in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. So he literally goes around Peter and addresses his anger towards the appropriate target. Um, he recognizes the cause rather than the symptom. He goes after the root instead of the fruit. Our issue and our challenge this morning is, is if we're going to be angry without sinning, then we must get past the fruit of what makes us mad and deal with the root of what is causing it. Because so many of us get very harsh with people because we are dealing with the fruit of their, their lives and what they're doing and we don't uh, identify and target the right root, which is the enemy. See, when, when we see evil, we should be angry at evil and not the evil one. Not the evil one as in the enemy, but not the one that's carrying out what he's told them to do. Like, I'll just be straight up with you. When, and I'm, I'm going to use this term, and it sounds like I'm being angry and sinning. I'm not, because you've got to know the definition of the term. When these idiots walk in with guns, idiot means someone without knowledge. They're not dumb, they're just idiots. They don't have the knowledge they need. If they had the knowledge of Christ, they wouldn't do this kind of stuff. When they walk in, our, 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 our challenge is I want to be angry and hate them. 
How can you be so stupid? Don't you care about life? Don't you know? I want to hate them. But there's a root. Nobody in their right mind would do something like this if there's a root behind it. Did they give access? Yes. Did they succumb to what he told? Yes. But we need to identify the root and go after the root. I'm, I'm concerned that too many of us direct all of our anger at people rather than the power that's operating behind the people. So our wrath towards those people drives them away from the grace and the mercy and the love and the care of Jesus. If all they... Listen, uh, there's a group of... Uh, Christians that go everywhere and pick at everything and they tell all their signs say God hates you and God despises you and God wants you to die. Why would anybody want the God they serve? It doesn't do it. But, but if we're not careful, we allow our anger to do the same thing and we push people away. The second thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Anger must have a time limit. Uh, I have an issue here. I, this is, I guess this, I, I'm in physical therapy during the week for my shoulder. I guess for the four, last four weeks, I'm in uh, some other kind of therapy on Sunday morning with you because I'm just laying it all out there for you. I, I have issues with this because if I'm not careful, if I allow anger to take uh, control of me, I can lose a whole week over something somebody did because I don't allow my anger to have the right time limit. Okay. Uh, according to Paul... Part of being angry without sinning is to make sure that anger is confined to a particular time frame. Okay, I'll read it to you because you're looking at me. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26, I've already mentioned it, but let me finish it. When you are angry, do not sin. And then he tells us how. And be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. Well, what if they make me mad at 6 a.m.? then you better get over it before the end of the day. What if at 11.59 p.m. they tick me off? You got one minute. When we're angry, he says, when you're angry. Not if. When. When you're angry, then you must limit that Anger to the scope of one day. Okay, let's be... See, I'm up here with the microphone laying out on my, my dirty laundry, but what about you? How long have some of you allowed your anger to continue? Some of you aren't even talking to one another this morning. I know you got a smile on your face because you were supposed to come to church together, but some of you haven't spoken to one another all week long because somebody squeezed the toothpaste from the top instead of the bottom on Monday, and now it's Sunday, and you've, you have been so angry all week. You left the toilet seat up on... On Tuesday morning and I'm about to kill you on Sunday morning and you don't even know why you didn't even remember and we allow it to carry out all week long and Paul says there has to be this time limit I would submit to you that if we are angry if we're so angry that it escapes the confines of a single day then I would submit to you then more than likely we are operating in human anger rather than righteous anger and when you begin to operate in human anger, you set yourself up for trouble. You will sin. If, here's why. If we live offended, then we are managing our pain rather than managing our destiny. If I nurse this anger against you all week, I can't pursue my destiny. I'm pursuing revenge. I'll set you up. Just wait. You've got a limited time limit. There's an expiration notice date on your anger. It's one day. You get one day. 
Okay, some of y'all aren't liking this message at all, but it's the truth. We, we just, don't we just fester and it just, I hang on. Some of you have been mad at somebody for over a week. Some of you have been mad at somebody at home or in your neighborhood or in your job for, a la- for the last month. Some of you have been mad at folks for years. Some of you have got decades long. Oh, I want to just... And Paul says, if you're going to be angry but not sin, you've got to get rid of it in one day. One day. Then it, this, anger must have a speed limit. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 31, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, Psalm chapter 85, verse 15, and Joel chapter 2, verse 13, and that's just a few of them. The Bible says that one of the characteristics of the God that we're supposed to be pattering our lives after is this. He is slow to anger. But some of us are quick. Quick draw McGraw, man. You, I, you drop the hat, I'll fight. I, I, I'm in communication right now with one of my old classmates. He was a year ahead of me in high school. The one thing I remember about him was he would fight at the drop of a hat. He was so angry. I didn't know this, but his dad went to school with my dad at the same school. And I was telling my dad, hey, do you remember so-and-so? And he said, yeah. He was a great ahead of you. I said, yeah. He, uh, he, was, he was always wanting to fight all the time. He said, really? He said his dad was the same way. Some of us wear this anger all the time and, and, and some of us are hotheads and it's right there under the surface all the time and we're quick-tempered. Quick-tempered. But our anger should have a speed limit and it should be slow. If we're going to ex- exemplify the God that we say we serve, then we should take on His characteristics and that characteristic is that His anger is slow. Well, Proverbs says it like this in chapter 12, verse 16. Fools have short fuses and explode all too quickly. Quit elbowing the person next to you. The prudent quietly shrug off insults. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. And his glory is to overlook a transgression. James chapter 1 verse 19 through 20. Understand this my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So how fast are you with your temper? Some of us have a very quick temper. So, listen, this morning I'm trying to help you. I, I recognize we're going to live life. We talked about it. It, it. When Jesus says there will be offense will come, he's using the word scandalon, which is the little trigger on the trap. It's where the bait is placed. and the, It's where we get our word scandal. He's saying there's these scandals will come and they are the trigger on the trap. Some of us are falling prey to the trap over and over and over again because we can't temper our temper. We must be slow. What would the environment be like at your house if your anger slowed down? What would the environment, what would your witness be like at work when what used to cause you to throw things and cuss people out, suddenly they do the same thing and they start ducking and they start sticking their fingers in their ears because they know what's coming and instead you're slow to anger and you just look at them and smile. How would things be different in your life? A quick temper, a quick trigger is not godly. So then if it must 
have a specific time frame and a specific speed limit, then also I want to say to you this morning that anger must have the right and appropriate tone. I want you to notice what Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says. It says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And Jesus was the master of this. I don't understand. Uh, sometimes it just, it just blows my mind. But Jesus had this ability to say brutal things without being offensive. Hey. For instance, there was a, an occasion in the New Testament where a woman who had a, a, a child that was possessed, uh, her daughter was possessed by an evil spirit, and she approaches Jesus while he's eating. She basically interrupts his meal, and she says, Jesus, I need you to come deal with my daughter. And he says, he makes this statement, he said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Okay, y'all, that just went... So you're eating lunch this afternoon at your favorite restaurant on Sunday afternoon, minding your own business, and somebody comes up to you and interrupts your lunch with your family sitting all around, and they will not let you go. They want to. You're trying to carry on conversations, but they keep interrupting you. I need a dollar. I need a dollar. I need a dollar. I need a dollar. And it, you, it's driving you crazy. And you turn to them and say, why would I waste my dollar on a bum? Why would I waste my dollar on the scum of the earth? That's exactly what Jesus does. Why would I take crumbs and throw them to the little dogs? When's the last time somebody called you a dog and you just went, okay, okay. Jesus had this unbelievable ability to say very brutal things, but he said them with such a tone. I'm convinced it was all in the tone. That he said it with such compassion that the, with, even though it was something brutal to say to somebody, she pushes right past it and gets the miracle she wants. And I believe it's because he had the right tone. Even when interrupted, even when perturbed, he didn't seem to put people off except for religious people. I wonder if some of us, oh Lord help me because uh, this is, ooh. I should have put a couch up here and laid down on it. Some of us, because of our tone, I, I struggle. Julie will tell you, I struggle. This is one of the struggles I've dealt with for, with my boys. If I'm not careful, my tone. Don't mean it. Didn't even mean to sound harsh. But if I'm not careful, my tone. I wonder how many of us are just way too harsh in our tone. So, so our anger must have this appropriate tone. Even in anger, we must use the right tone so that people understand that just because we disagree doesn't mean that we have to be disagreeable. Just because what I've got to say is a brutal truth and, 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 and could be hard to deal with, I can say it in such a way. Like, man, we're brutal, man. We'll see people sinning. We'll go, you sinner, you're going to hell. Well, why would they want to go to heaven? <laughs> we're, we're harsh. We're, I'm, I'm concerned that we allow our anger to get the best of us. And haven't you noticed that we use the harshest tones for those we love the most? Husbands are harsh with their wives. The wife is harsh with the husband. Parents are harsh with the kids. Kids are harsh with the parents. 
And then it just emanates out from there. So now that I become comfortable being harsh with the people I love the most, since I don't know you, I can let you hold it. And I can just say what I want to say, be as blunt. It must have the right tone. Let me ask it like this, and then I'll move on, because some of you are very uncomfortable right now. When you tell people hard things, can they hear Jesus? Because if your tone is appropriate, they will hear Jesus and what you're saying. But if your, pro your tone is inappropriate, they will hear your anger and not Jesus. And this is where I want to get this morning, and then I'll get out of your way. I want to say to you this morning, especially in light of everything that we see going on in our society now, anger must have the appropriate fruit. All anger produces some type of fruit. It is either ungodly anger and it, it's destructive fruit, or it is godly anger and it produces something productive. I'm going to explain. If we are going to manage our anger righteously, then we must allow our anger to be accompanied by the right fruit. So what is the right fruit of anger? If we can be angry and not sin, what is the right fruit that should be produced by anger? We just got to go back to Jesus. And what you discover is that righteous anger is accompanied first by compassion. Righteous anger is grieved. It, it's not merely the fact that we get infuriated. There's this aspect that we become grieved by the anger that is caused by the evil that is causing us to become angry. Let me see if I can explain. Uh, I, I mentioned that in, Jesus picked up rope and drove people out of the temple because they were stealing from the people. I want you to see that. But I also want you to see that out of his, it was righteous anger because he was also grieved over the sin that made it necessary to do that. In fact, you can go back and read it. As soon as his anger results in overturning the table, the very next thing we read in Matthew chapter 23 verse 37 says this, is that he grieves over them. He cries out in pain. Jerusalem, I, I want to gather you, but now I'm having to deal with this stuff in the very temple of God because you've turned to, to evil ways. He's grieved. He's filled with compassion. And I'm saying this to you this morning. is One of the ways we know whether or not your, your anger is righteous anger is it would cause you to grieve. We should be, our anger should be accompanied by a broken heart. The second thing I want you to notice is that anger must be accompanied, uh, always accompanied. If it's righteous anger, it will always be accompanied by action. Jesus' anger produced compassion, which then became an action. If we are angry about what is being done, then what are we going to do to correct it? Because a lot of us just get angry, but we don't do anything to correct what's making us mad. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm going to get really blunt with you, uh, and you're just going to have to get mad at me if you don't like it. But, but uh, we, we see things that set us off, but it's not righteous anger unless it drives us to take action. And here are some examples. Like some of y'all are really angry about the fact that people are addicted to drugs, but I can't get you to help us start a rehab. Some of you are very, very angry about the fact that... that People are, are, ladies are going and they're having an abortion, but we can't motivate you to adopt anybody or to even serve as a foster parent. 
I knew this would go over huge. I, I got a bunch of people who are angry about poverty, but they wouldn't dare sponsor anybody to go through Financial Peace University, which might set them free for the rest of their life in their financial arena. And I can't get them to volunteer at the pantry because we get angry, but we don't do anything about it. I find a bunch of people who get angry about racism but won't even cross the church aisle to talk to people that are of a different color. There are a lot of angry followers of Christ that aren't moved by compassion and they take absolutely no action about what they're angry about so their anger doesn't produce the appropriate fruit. There's a guy, by the, his, he's an Anglican priest. His name is Garrett Kaiser. And I think he got it. I mean, he nails it. Listen to what he says. He says, my anger has not carried me far enough towards changing what legitimately enrages me. It's right to be mad about racism. It's right to be mad about abortion. It's right to be mad about poverty. It's right to be about alcohol, anger about, angry about alcoholism and drug addiction. But if we don't do anything about it, then it's not righteous anger. It's a human emotion. Our anger should break our heart and it should move our hands. It should cause us to find a solution. Otherwise, we're just being emotional and it's really about us being caught up in our feels. That's a new way of saying, okay. Other than our feelings producing any righteous fruit, we're just caught up in our feels. I'm angry. Why is everybody angry all the time? They're caught up in their feels, but they won't do anything about it. Our, our thought of of productive fruit is when I get angry about racism, I'll just post something on Facebook. Well, what did it accomplish? Nothing. I'm sick of people posting stuff about I'm against racism, but they won't go spend any time with somebody from a different race. I'm preaching right now and some of y'all ain't liking it. You're just going to have to follow the mantra we've been spitting out for four weeks. No offense taken. Get over it. Just let it. If it's, if it's making you mad right now, the fact that I'm saying some of you are mad about the fact that your cousin and your uncle and your nephew are addicted to drugs, but you haven't done anything about it, then just let it make you mad. Maybe it'll make you mad enough that you'll do something about it. If you're mad about the ladies marching down here into Bethany and there's an abortion clinic right here in Bethany and you're mad about it, but you, want, you see it. Every day on Channel 4, they show the kids that could be adopted and fostered, but that's for everybody else. Then just get mad. Maybe your mad will drive you to something. Do something. Take action. Why? Because I want you to listen to what, what this, this gentleman wrote. He said, anger is not meant to soothe me. It is not meant to alleviate my boredom or to make me feel better about myself. It is a gift that ought to inspire me to do those things that the world needs. So why would a pastor stand up here and say what I just said to you? I'm trying to make you mad. I'm trying to offend you. I'm trying to cause you to rise up in righteous anger and not just go home and say, well, I'm mad and I don't like what he said and I don't like this and I don't like that and then the people get to know us about what we're against instead of what we're for. No, I'm trying to make you mad enough that you'll stand up and say, what do I personally, individually have to do to stop what's making me mad? And then we will know that our anger is righteous anger because it has the appropriate fruit. So this morning, if I handed you a piece of paper and I said, write down what makes you mad. 
Okay, let, let, let's do it, all right? Here's your paper. Put your hand out like this before we go close in prayer. Catherine, you can come before they throw rocks at me. Uh, uh, okay, this is your paper. Your finger's your pen. All right, I want you just to write. Maybe, maybe it's the name of a person. Uh, uh, maybe it's, it's something that somebody's doing. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's racism. But, but write it down. Go ahead. This is your paper. Nobody can see it. Nobody's going to be able to read it but you. Because it's not really there. Okay. But uh, so would you, would you, in your imaginary invisible disappearing ink, would you write the thing that makes you mad? Come on, all of you. Something's got to make you mad. I, what is it? It's spelled E-S-T-H-E-R. Danny. Okay. All right. Um, and what makes you mad? No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I saw the big E go down on his hand. and I. Uh, no. what, what, what aggravates you? Okay. Is it there? Is it there? Have you written it? Some of you. Some, I'm about to write some of y'all's names down because you aren't participating. Peyton, so she didn't write that down so there's her name okay you got it you got it okay erase it come on erase it now I want you to write down what you're doing about it because I would suggest that most of us can't write anything down and if your answer is I posted on Facebook erase it before I see it because that's not it what is what is that anger going to drive you to do in righteousness? Because can I tell you, if we could have talked to the cat that went into the El Paso Walmart or the person that went downtown Dayton last night and killed all those people, they could have written some things down that made them angry. And I want you to see the fruit. They had, there was a result to their anger. Theirs was guns in a crowded place. That's not righteous anger. We are called to a different kind of anger. What are you angry about? Then what are you going to do about it? With the right speed limit, the right tone, the right target, all that other stuff, what fruit is going to come of this anger that you've got up inside of you so that you can be angry and not sin? Father, in Jesus' name this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.